This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Group of death. What group of death? Tottenham Hotspur top Group H after a battling display at Real Madrid's Santiago Bernabeu, where Maurizio Pochettino's Spurs once again showed in Europe another coming-of-age performance, as we have the last word on Spurs in our Stoppage Time special. But again, Soko with a nice ball here to Aurier, slipping towards Harry Kane, oh look at that, look at that! And he's been the man in the moment, the man they've been talking about. He fires Spurs ahead. It's Ronaldo. And he scores, as he always does on big, big nights. That's 110 in the Champions League. And it's Real Madrid 1, Tottenham Hotspur 1. And again with the ball in defensive arm. What a save by Lloris. What a save. One Frenchman denies another with a brilliant save. Hello guys and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. You can follow us across a range of different social media platforms. We are on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram too. Guys, you should also now be able to hear the show across a variety of different platforms, including Audio Boom, iTunes and Acast. On tonight's bumper, Last Word on Spurs, we will be discussing that fantastic performance against Real Madrid. We'll be taking your questions throughout this show and finally looking ahead to Liverpool this coming Sunday. So, let's introduce the guests for tonight. First up, I'm delighted to say, making his debut, a legal writer joins us, Andrew Gaffney. Andrew, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing quite well, Ricky. How are you doing, mate? I'm not bad, not bad at all. And thanks, Andrew, in the end, for me getting you on the show. It's been a, it's been a chase. <laughs> I feel like it's been a transfer in itself. <laughs> a little bit, but it's um, it's finally gone through. We've agreed personal terms, and um, I'm satisfied. We have indeed. Well, I'm delighted to get it over the line. And joining Andrew tonight, I'm delighted to say, also making his return to the show, we've got Jamie on the line from the Daily Hotspur. Jamie, how are you? Oh, very well, thank you. Thank you for having me back on and uh, obviously look forward to looking back over the fantastic game yesterday. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a fabulous hour in store. And finally, last but certainly not least, we have Jason McGovern returning back to the show. Jason, how are you? Pleased, mate. Pleased to have negotiated Andrew's personal terms and looking forward to my 15% of the 
of the uh, of the salary. Yeah, and Jace, that'll be in the post, so you no doubt. Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> well, Jace, tell you what, we're going to stick with you first off because a real team performance, in my opinion, of courage, bravery, and ultimate team spirit from Pochettino Spurs. Tell us how you saw that game on Tuesday night. I think it was probably the one of the proudest draws of my memory, probably as proud as the 3-3 at Mansfield 40 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, um, it it was a a special night for us, I think. You know, to look at that scoreboard and and see that we'd actually got in front there was was something to be pleased about in itself. Um, I was just so proud that that everything that I doubted about this side, and, and there's not a lot of doubt about this side, but when I talked about the game craft and and uh, naivety sometimes in big games and things like that to to have so many of those uh, doubts, you know, put to the wayside and um, for the players to show the maturity that they did on the night. That the likes, I mean, I, I just would never believe it was possible to go up against Cruz, Modric, and Casimiro with a with Winks and Sissoko. I mean, the thought the thought of that filled me with dread. And and I have to admit, when the when the team sheet came out and you you saw there was two two up top I thought no surely we haven't gone to Madrid with two up top and, and I think I changed my prediction then from a 2-0 defeat to a to a 4 or 5-0 defeat I just thought that's 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 incredibly brave and incredibly stupid but you know we should have known better and um, you know I take my hats off to every single player that was involved on the night because they put in an immense performance and, and one that we, we're right to be proud of. Yeah indeed coming over to you Andrew I mean we know you're heavily based in Spain Tell us your thoughts when well, number one on the game, and when you saw the starting lineup, Andrew, you must have been a little bit surprised. Um, yeah, I think like a lot of people, when I asked on Twitter what their sort of thoughts were, and to, to sort of give me a prediction first with the, the heads and, the, and then with the hearts, and we all sort of dreamt that we'd get a decent result. I don't think many of us predicted to win. Maybe if we got a bit of luck, but to have a good performance and, and not disgrace ourselves because obviously there's always that capability when you play someone as good as Real Madrid that they can score a couple early on and then get five or six in the end and you wonder what that does for morale but yeah the, the team selection was strange I think obviously without Deli Alley there it, it does sort of force Poch to um, shuffle his pack a little bit but he got it spot on I mean I don't think Maybe the personnel surprised a few people as well. Fernando Llorente sitting in there in sort of like a number 10 role. Maybe most people would have expected Kane to drop off because he's done that before earlier in his career. But Llorente sort of was at the same level as everyone else. Harry Winks, we all... Everyone who follows Spurs knows how good he is. I think the rest of the world's slowly waking up to the fact that it's it's not hype. It's, it's actual genuine substance. And Sissoko, the guy who we've all probably sort of sighed when we've seen his name in the team sheet, especially last season, he just seems to get better and better. And I think his drive, especially on that sort of right-hand side, along with um, Aurier, caused Marcelo so many tr- so many problems. And um, yeah, I think in the, in the end, there's no Spurs fan that can, can take any negative from that game. It was just literally the perfect game plan. Just unfortunate that we gave away that penalty and we didn't get one of our own early on in the game. Yeah. What did you think, though, Andrew? Our penalty appeal on Lorente, was it in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you give the one for Real Madrid, the, the, the one on Cruz, which I still think every time you see a different angle, you, your opinion changes. When I first saw it, I did think he has to make that challenge, but he didn't get the ball. And then you see it from different sides and you think, well, did Cruz go to ground anticipating contact, but there wasn't really any. 
But I definitely think if that one was a penalty, then the, the tackle on the rent he was in Casemiro was clumsy, which he occasionally does. Uh, he gets away with it. He manages to sort of avoid bookings, which is incredible for a guy who's so um, overzealous, should we say, in, in his tackling. And uh, on the Madrid side, I mean, uh, I reviewed the papers for the Yahoo today, and not one of them said it, it wasn't a penalty. All of them agreed. There was a few sort of dispute in the, the Harry Kane sort of own goal with, with Baran saying that he was slightly offside. But I think the marginal calls, there's a, there's a lot more leeway. I think you need to give the, the advantage, if it's slight, to the attacker. But, yeah, if one was a penalty, the other one should have been as well. But you know how difficult it is to, to go away to a big team and for a referee in, in that environment to give a big call early on. I think, not bottled it, but it was just the safer option not to give it. Yeah, indeed, especially up at Real Madrid. Let's come over to you, Jamie. I have to bring it back to the starting lineup very quickly. 5-3-2 from Spurs to start off with. Rose in the squad after 10 months out. Moussa Dembele missing out on the game, which was a disappointment. But... Jamie, I mean, Harry Winks, probably the ultimate test for him to show he's coming of age. And again, tell us what you thought of the game, Jamie, number one. And two, the starting lineup from your perspective, was you a little bit surprised by that? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure as we all were. But um, I'd say, obviously, yesterday, Poch made a risk um, putting the lineup that he did. But ultimately, it's massively paid off. I mean, he was kind of, I think one thing that's perhaps been overlooked is that, you know, we were really limited in the options that we had. And and rather than Poch complaining about that, as other managers would do, he kind of just used what he had, and especially like a player like Winks. Um, you know, whereas Conte might moan that um, he might have sent uh, Chaloba or um, Abrahams out on loan. You know, Poch has kept these players, and he's used what he's got. And obviously, you know, they've massively repaid him because Winks was just sensational yesterday. And I've always, you know, I've always thought what an incredible player he could be. And I just... It's interesting to see how good he can be, but after yesterday, you you really do see that there's a really special player in there. So, yeah, as I said, a, a risky selection from Pochettino, but ultimately, it's massively paid off. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I say, like I said before the game, rolling the dice, he came up with the lucky numbers, but it certainly was no fluke, this performance. Jay, I want to bring it over to you. Just the opening of the game, but Tottenham caught ball watching in the opening moments. Ronaldo's header comes back off the post, then Benzema miraculously somehow fails to score with the rebound. Are those those certain moments, Jace, that you need to have go for you if you are going to get a result over there? Because undoubtedly, like we saw last night, they are going to create chances. But at no point, Jace, did I feel, in my personal opinion, that they actually bombarded us. Well, I think that was that was a, a really key thing because when you've when you've made the selection we did, and and I suppose just on the lineup, you know, there, there really wasn't much choice, as as we just said, or as Jamie said, you know. It would have only been Son instead of Lorente because otherwise it was pretty much the all that he had available. I think that was the surprise was the the formation, the fact that it was a genuine front two. But um, I think when you've you've gone with a genuine front two and you're away to Real Madrid and it's a it's an alien tactic for for most of them. If you go a goal down in four minutes, you know, do the players lose a little bit of belief and think, oh, what on earth have we done here? And and you could just imagine the the media response today if, if we'd have gone on to have lost that game having gone behind early and, and, and the foolishness of going with two up top so you know we did need that little bit of luck and, and how Benzema missed the rebound I, I have no idea perhaps perhaps he only missed it because he's Benzema but um, you know you do need that little bit of fortune and, and you need one or two things over the course of the game to go for you but you know we, we forced we forced Neves into three saves we could have had a penalty ourselves and so 
you know, we weren't, we didn't get the result purely by by luck, as um, as I think one of the questioners later on suggested. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's Real Madrid away. You you need a few things to go for you. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, Jason had a question. We're going to try and read them out through the show. Uh, Mark Eady says, "Impressive all over the park, and many missing from that starting eleven. What will you take most from the result, Jace? I think the fact that that we went there and, and went there with belief, and we we tried to play our football in that way. You know, we didn't do what Manchester United have gone and done at Benfica tonight, and, and what they did at Liverpool. We didn't try and take the suck the life out of the game. We went with confidence. We 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 played our football in the right way, and um, and, and you know, I think one or two people have suddenly learnt that our squad is a lot is a lot deeper than they first gave it credit for because. You know, no Delhi, no no Wenyama, no Dembele, no Davis Stroke Rose. You know, there's four key areas of the side where we weren't at our strongest. And yet to go to Real Madrid and pull off a result like that, and as I say, not to to show any naivety, to show that, that game intelligence, I think, you know, that, that's what makes most made me proud and, and, and what will live in my mind, that's for sure. Yeah, completely agree to that. Bringing it round to you, Andrew. So... Obviously, we had a chat beforehand for coming on. We spoke about Twitter and the reaction on there. We've had a question in, and this is from Adam White, who says, I'm disappointed with a draw last night. What the hell has Pochettino done to me? <laughs> what do you think, Andrew? That's just crazy, isn't it, of the game itself? I think he needs to go have a lay down if he thinks there's anything to be disappointed about that. There's this idea that Spurs should have gone and... Uh, match Real Madrid and had a swashbuckling display and sort of showed that the, the Tottenham way works. And I think what we've learned under Pochettino is that sometimes you can be the best side and you don't get the result. I mean, the amount of times we've played Chelsea and we've played them off the park, but you've ended up losing. Nobody remembers how well you played. Everyone remembers the results. And I think that we went there with a, a specific game plan, which was to, to unsettle the two centre-backs. I think Lorenti did a really good job. Similar to what Deli Ali can do, but doesn't hasn't done much this season. They upset him just w- with his height. He sort of sat in between Casemiro and Baran and Ramos, uh, and he made himself a nuisance. And to say he's what played less than ninety minutes or about ninety minutes over his sort of mini Tottenham career so far. I think there's nothing you can sort of there's no negative you can find there. I don't think yeah. Spurs were overly defensive. Uh, defensively, they were solid. I think the force for Madrid just. A, with crosses in which you expect from sort of lesser sides when they can't break someone down and apart from one or two chances most of the time they were restricted to literally that crosses or long shots or fancy bits of play in front of the the box which eventually sort of fell away and Spurs managed to counter so the idea there's any negativity towards drawing 1-1 against Real Madrid Ignoring their sort of so-so record this season in the league or at home, I think it is crazy madness. I, I suppose you can flip it the other way and say that Pochettino's raised the bar so high that a draw against Real Madrid for some fans is seen as disappointment, which is fair enough, but it's not a view I personally agree with. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just fascinating. The, the selection itself, going back to it for a second, is that Pochettino's record as a boss for Espanyol, and I'm sure you'll probably know this better than me, Andrew. He went into the game, having played seven against Madrid, losing all of them, to pick a lineup like he did in such a positive way. And then we've seen this last four years where people question maybe selections. Have we not seen, Andrew, that he's owed that right now with the respect, the quality and belief that he's shown in terms of the way we play football, that we should trust him more in terms of his selections? 
Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's, everyone has an opinion. I think we're all entitled to voice it at times. But I think Pochettino, what he's done to Spurs and the mentality and the fact that sometimes we can we can go to a big team and be disappointed that we've not took three points or disappointed that we've not won the league. You know, these type of things that, at least in my sort of lifetime, were sort of pipe dreams to say that we'd win the league. We were fighting more to stay in the Premier League as opposed to winning it. So... I think you can always question or maybe sort of believe that or you would prefer to play a certain player in, in a position over another one. But I don't think there's much more he can do to sort of win around those who are, who are always going to complain or maybe think that he's got it wrong. He does make mistakes. I think um, he usually holds his hands up when he's got it wrong. But yeah, the system and the formation was sort of surprised everyone, but obviously it was an idea he had going into the game. It's not like he decided on the eve, oh, I'm going to play Lorenti mm. there. He's obviously seen him in training. He's obviously studied Baran and Ramos and realised that sort of in the air, they're both quite vulnerable. I think it was no surprise to see Kane was quite aggressive towards Varan as well, which sort of made him uneasy. There's a lot of pro preparation there, and I think as much as maybe as fans we were surprised, I think for... for Pochettino, it was the complete opposite. He, he believes in the players to, to perform. They're not always going to be the best. They're not always going to be, um, or should I say, follow his instructions fully. The things, factors can come in there, maybe a lack of confidence or an error or something which, which sticks in the head. But yeah, I think over the course of his time at Spurs, there's, there's nothing but praise you can say. And he deserves as much credit and and uh, much respect for the decisions he makes and, and the formation he chooses. Yeah, indeed. I think I think as well, Rick. You know, if we go back to to last year, he took a lot of criticism last year, not just for his selections in the Champions League, but but for the way that we we went into games. That you know, he he hasn't hasn't got an idea. He's tactically inept in Europe, and and we saw with the game plan against Dortmund, we totally changed the way we we played our football. Played much more on the counter against them. We're happy to let them have the ball. He came up with a totally different formation and a and a set of tactics last night. So it shows that. He's learnt from last season himself. He now realises European football is totally different to the Premier League and, and that's to his credit as well. He hasn't been stubborn and, and stuck to his ways. He's, he's been completely flexible this year. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, Jace, as well, you make that great point. I think his boldness and tactics have been admirable this time around the Champions League. He's been tactically outstanding from my perspective. Jamie, let's bring it round to you. And a question in from Michael Chivers. It says, do you think the game itself was perfect to just highlight this is how wrong that people may think it's a one-man team? It shows how good defensively we are. It shows how good we are from a counter-attacking perspective. Is that how you see it as well, Jamie? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean... Um, obviously, you know, you look at our defensive record anyway, and it was fantastic. So I don't know how you can just say it's Harry Kane's team anyway. But um, <laughs> look, I mean, we did we did everything right. You know, we defended so, you know, just so well um, on the break. We were fantastic getting forwards. Um, yeah, and I mean, look, you know, the, I think yesterday our defence, you know, for me, Sanchez and Loris were our two stand-up players and perhaps even some of the other defenders. So it just goes to show you that we're certainly not a one-man team and obviously defensively we're outstanding. In the midfield we're brilliant and going forward we're just as, as brilliant. Yeah, and sticking with you for a second, Jamie, that very moment when Harry Kane's point-blank header was palmed over by Navas, did you think that was the moment that we've been dreaming about where Kane nearly scored? It was nil-nil, if you remember that moment last night. Great cross in the box, Kane's bullet point header mm. tipped over by Navas. I mean, the goal came fairly after that, but that moment, do you just feel that was when mm. we were starting to build a bit of momentum in the game? 
Yeah, I feel as though, you know, we started a bit nervously. We were a bit timid at times. Um, but yeah, I think that was a moment where it was kind of the first real chance we had to score. And um, yeah, I think, you know, we rattled Madrid. And I think that not only did we grow in confidence, I think it, they kind of uh, were a bit more reserved and a bit more wary of us. So yeah, I think it, that was perhaps the turning point in the game yesterday. So yeah. Yeah. Well, let's bring it back around to you then, Jace. Sergio Aurea. Now, I did that dreaded thing of lining up a tweet after he put in that fantastic cross, which ended up as an own goal off the back of Varane. And then a couple of minutes later, Jace, he commits himself to a tackle that, look, we're not doubting someone had to go in there. But the minute you go to ground, Jace, like he does, you're leaving the referee with no option at Real Madrid away, there's only going to be one decision, isn't there? Can you understand it from his perspective? Is it just, again, a rash moment of madness, which hopefully Poch is going to train out of him? Because I've got to be honest, Jason, say that attacking-wise, he does look a formidable threat. I've actually had a little bit more sympathy for him, having watched it back a couple of times today. I think, you know, first of all, it, it was a terrific cross for the goal and his performance, with the exception of the penalty, I thought last night showed exactly the reasons we've bought him. And um, that rashness that that we, we fear is in his game, you, you kind of fear would, that he would go to ground in the second half, having already been booked, and we'd be in the, the similar situation to the West Ham game. And, and it's to his credit, he didn't get involved in anything like that. I think with the with the penalty, he probably felt that he was fouled in the lead up to that when um, when they originally won the ball back, and maybe there was a, a, a you know just a, an annoyance that he hadn't himself won the free kick. Although having seen that, I actually didn't think he was fouled. I thought he went down a bit too easily. But then when he when he goes to defend the ball and the ball's been you know fisted around the penalty area, yes, he probably knows if I go to ground and I and I don't get get anywhere near the ball it's definitely going to be a penalty but in fairness he was probably half a yard further away from the from Cruz than he wanted to be and he probably thought you know if if I stay on my feet I've got no chance of trying to get a block in so you know a little bit damned if you do damned if you don't and I think that's that's what I don't think it was quite as as rash as as it probably seemed to be at the time and as I say sometimes if you're in a desperate position you're going to have to make yourself a a desperate tackle or if he stays on his feet and he watches crew score then how many people are then saying why didn't you try and make an attempt to win the ball so you know I think as I say on the emotion of the night I thought it was rash but having seen it back I actually don't think it was was quite as rash as as one or two people suggested at the time. Right, because I've had a couple of questions in, Jace. Mark Butcher, who says, Ori, a great player, worry about his discipline. Kuram, who says, reckon we could have got more out of the game if it wasn't for Oria. Trippier over Oria going forward, do you think that's slightly harsh? Very quickly on those couple of questions. Could we have got more from the game without Oria? I think the difference is that, you know, Marcello, who's such an influential player for them, didn't really have a great game and that and Oria matched him for pace and, and gave him so many problems, So which which probably Trippier wouldn't have done, wouldn't have forced him back as much as Oria did. So And then Oria is the cross. So I wouldn't necessarily say Trippier would have got us more from the game. I think that's, that's a little bit harsh. As, as I say, I thought his performance over the 90 minutes was... was 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 exceptional and okay he gives the penalty away but you know I think it's a bit too harsh to just stand there and, and point the whole thing at him as to, as to why we didn't end up getting the three points. Yeah coming over to you Andrew just want to get your thoughts on Aurea having watched a lot of the Spanish league like you do what was your thoughts when Spurs originally signed him in the summer did you think this is this is going to be a good sign for Tottenham did you have your reservations what's been your thoughts to his Spurs career so far? 
Uh, my sort of expectations prior to him signing for Spurs, um, probably like most people's, I'd only seen him on computer games and it was a good signing. Um, <laughs> he he uh, obviously had a bit of a checkered career at PSG. I, I don't think you can skip over some of the things he's said or done, but I also don't think you should vilify him forever because he's, he's obviously apologised and he's trying to move on and hopefully... Um, that sort of that behaviour can disappear, and we're not seeing any of that so far at Spurs. In terms of what he's brought, I think it's, it's a fantastic signing. I think there's this desperation of, of people in the media to sort of label him as reckless and rash, but they ignore all the good he does and the focus on these tiny parts. So, I mean, the West Ham game, it was his own fault. It was so stupid to sort of jump in when he was only on a yellow. But I thought against Real Madrid, it was pro- arguably, I mean, and there's, there's a lot of competition easily in the top sort of three best players on the pitch for Spurs. I think without him, we definitely wouldn't have offered so much uh, attacking threat on the right. I think him and Sissoko have got a really good combination down there. And it, it's, they've helped each other massively in that sense. Could he have done more for the penalty? I don't think so. I think uh, it's obviously desperate to try and make up for the fact that it's sort of already a bit behind the play. And if, if he'd left it and let Cruz shoot and score, everyone would have sort of chastised him, saying, why do you not even at least make an effort to stop it? And I think it was a genuine attempt to get the ball. I, I always prefer that at least try and prevent a goal as opposed to just sort of hoping that Hugo Lloris sprouts an extra leg. I mean, he did all right against Bentema <laughs> from sort of two yards, but you can't expect him to do it every time. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Trippier as well. I think he was another person that got uh, unfair stick from certain sets of fans because he wasn't as good as Walker. But I think Aurier has all the credentials to be eventually a better player than Walker. I think attacking-wise, is very similar. Similar to Walker when he first sort of came at Spurs, he did switch off defensively. But I think Aurier, over, his sort of overall game, is a, a higher base than, than Walker's was. And, and I think we need to be careful not to sort of exaggerate every tiny error he makes. I, mean, I think it was Tony Cascarino today saying his first impression was, you idiot, when he jumped in. Mm. Well, no one cares what you want to say, Tony. Without <laughs> Sir Jorier, we no, wouldn't be anywhere near the game. Not, not defensively, nor offensively. I think uh, a lot of the newspapers over here were, were sort of criticising Marcelo as being the weak link. And it's not been in the best of form. But I think uh, without Aurier's drive, and he did get up and down a lot over 90 minutes, we would never have got the result that we did, I don't think. No, I completely agree. Jamie, I want to get your thoughts very quickly on Aurier. For you, a player that's going to improve surely in a Tottenham shirt. I mean, I personally thought, from my perspective, he looks to me like Walker a couple of years ago where he does have a foul in him. But I'm positive, Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Potter's is going to train out of him. Am I mad? Jamie, do you agree? What do you think? No, I definitely agree. And there's certainly a very, very talented player in there, um, even world class. And I agree, he was one of our best in the top three uh, best players on the pitch yesterday. And I think, um, look, I think it's crazy that people are putting the blame on him. I mean, personally, I think it was a tackle he had to make because Cruz would have scored anyway. Um, but look, I was, I was looking and watching him play. And to be honest, for me, he looked the most confident on the pitch. And yeah, and just going forwards and everything. And look, he got the assist for the goal. So, you know, like, what if he hadn't, you know, if he hadn't been on the pitch, would we have scored the goal if he had to put the cross in? So, works either way. But, no, I think there's certainly a very good player in there. It's just getting the attitude right and using his, um, the edge that he has um, in the right way. I think as well, Rick, I want him in the team because I love the, 
he punched a copper on a nose. He had to Google Danny Rose song. I think, you know, if you can have a song like that, then Oreo has to start every game for me. <laughs> Going to stick with Jamie for a second. Want to get your thoughts on Jamie. So that first half, a really encouraging display from Spurs, who on the whole, bar the penalty, we defended magnificently. And again, that first half, as we saw in the second, we have to talk about this man, Mr. Harry Winks. Now... I don't want to get too carried away, but it's very hard not to, Jamie. I think you're also going to be of the same mindset as me, that God, this guy for me last night is playing along Modric, who was at the very top of his game. And, you know, we saw him develop at Spurs. He's gone on to another level, which I'm sure Andrew and Jace are always, are also going to agree, should I say. Tell us, Jamie, for you, Harry Winks, he, for me, on every department, matched Luka Modric. How good is this lad going to be for Tottenham in years to come? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because obviously we've had sort of potential players like that in the past, maybe like Ryan Mason and Nabil Bentaleb. But for me, uh, yeah, uh, Harry Winks kind of looks well above that level. And um, I mean, just everything he like everything he does, like his technical ability is just brilliant. And it's just it's crazy thinking that he's only 21, like mm. just plays like such a mature player. Um, it just plays well beyond his years and yeah, I mean, such an exciting talent uh, and obviously even more so that he's English So, and, and he's come to our academy. So yeah, it's obviously an extremely exciting player and it'll be very interesting to see just how far he can go. Yeah, indeed. We'll come around to you then, Jace. So for me, again, like we said, matched Modric in every department. I know you're fairly level-headed, Jace, but tell us, Winks, you must start thinking this guy is going to He's going to surely break in and become a regular now. Well, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about him as an England player. And I said, I definitely thought he would go on the plane to, to Russia if he got games under his belt. I think that one of the, the things that we hadn't seen from Harry Winks, we know he's a he's a comfortable player on the ball. We know he can pass it forwards and move it quickly and, and tick that tick, you know, make sure that tempo goes goes the right way and we saw all those things from him last night but I think that the impressive thing about him last night and something that we hadn't seen purely because he hadn't started in big games was what he'd also be like without the ball and you know would he allow midfield players to run off the back of him and and go unchallenged into the defence which at the, the top level you can't allow people to to run off you and you know his defensive awareness last night was really impressive and I think that's that's the thing that, that caught my eye more than anything else. Everything he did with the ball, I expect from Winks now. And even though he's only, what, five or six starts or seven starts, is it, in his time, you kind of expect that now from Winks. So you, you are looking, right, what's what's the rough part of your game? What's the, the edges you need to sort out? And and as I say, his defensive awareness was one doubt in my mind. And he, he totally uh, proved me wrong in that respect last night. It was uh, a really mature performance. He, he made that one slight error, didn't he, when he got caught running with the ball, which I think finished with the Ronaldo chance that, that Lloris tipped over. But that apart, and, and, you know, perhaps if you make that mistake against any side other than Real Madrid, <laughs> it wouldn't finish up with Ronaldo having the shot. But, uh, you know, at that very highest level, it can be... You know they can they can jump on that, but no, his was an excellent performance. Yeah, coming back round to you, Andrew. Having watched, well, having watched the Spanish football like you do on a regular basis, for you, Winks. If we're going to ask you to compare him out there, he's dubbed the little Iniesta. Is that far true? What do you think, Andrew? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I, sort of to bring it down a little bit, the realism. I think. We need to be careful with, with Winks. There's obviously something special there. He's, he's, he's extremely talented. 
But I think it's important that we let Winks be Winks and not be like the new Modric or to be the new Iniesta or the new Chavi, Chavi Winks and all these things. <laughs> just just let him sort of develop, get his game time. I don't don't necessarily agree that he was um, he matched Modric. I thought Modric was a, a class apart, but that's just the level that Luka Modric is on. I mm. think there's no shame to be a little bit below that, although Modric did tire in the last sort of 10 minutes. But I thought, yeah, Winks was basically just anchoring the midfield by himself because we had Sissoko that was charging forward or helping out Aurier on the right. And uh, Ericsson, unfortunately, sort of went a bit missing, which, I, I, again, I think is being brilliant, Ericsson. I don't want to sort of bring a negative because I think it'd be unfair to sort of move aside how well he is playing and, and how much he's improved. But I thought Winks had to do the job of maybe two men in the middle of that midfield and he did such a brilliant job. I do think is um, going to be extremely important for England just because there's so few players coming through that have his sort of um, ability in terms of dictating the tempo, controlling the game, spotting the passes and forward passes. I mean, the, the one negative you can usually attribute to Dembele is, and I would still probably have Dembele over wings. I know that might not be a popular opinion the day after uh, his performance at the Bernabeu. But the problem with Dembele is he usually runs around, keeps the ball, but ends up going backwards. Whereas Harry Winks, the one thing that he always does is look forward. And um, yeah, it's interesting to see him develop. I hope he gets um, sufficient time. I hope he's, uh, and I imagine under Pochettino he will. We, we've all seen that as long as you put in the effort, both on the training pitch and, and when you get given a chance, that it'll keep picking you. So yeah, there's, there's um, a lot of... Uh, expectations on his shoulders and I think we need to sort of just enjoy him not desperately try and label him the next person or or sort of jump the gun too much and just let him continue to naturally develop and and see where it goes because I think it could be extremely important not just for England but also Spurs. Yeah and very quickly sticking with you Andrew we had a question from Ray Grit who says although Winks doesn't have the physical attributes of Dembele is he potentially a long-term replacement? Just very quickly on that, what do you think, Andrew? Um, yeah, I don't think he's a, a, a like-for-like in terms of how they play, but in terms of what they bring to the midfield, if he's playing alongside Dyer or Wanyama, yeah, they're capable of playing some decent balls, but they're not playmakers, and I think Winks would be the alternative to Dembele. And unfortunately, it seems that every season is missing more and more games due to these niggling injuries, and he doesn't overcome them as quickly as he did before. I think we've always got used to the fact that it's, it's almost like a Ledley King. You roll him out for certain games and then sort of keep him in cotton wool for the next one. But I, I do think the long-term plan at the moment is that he, he does get more games in the centre midfield. And I think it's, it's similar to Modric in that his, his stature is quite small, but it's a, a little fighter. It's a bit like Scrappy Doo, you know. If you put him in the middle of the park, he'll, he'll fight everyone around there. And I think he's intelligent with it. It's not aggressive, you know. It's a bit like Kane, I think. He leaves the odd foot in here and there to let him know that he's around. But he, he doesn't have a problem mixing it up, and I think that that's important. We all had this idea that Tom Carroll was going to be the next coming, and I think in the end it's, it's actually Harry Winks who's what Tom Carroll was supposed to be, or was labelled as, and more. So, yeah, I think it, it's, it's a natural conclusion to think that he will be the one at present to re, to replace them really in the eleven. Yeah, well, just to throw some context on Harry Winks' performance, passing accuracy for that first half, Luka Modric's 94.1%, or Harry Winks 947 So that just tells you the game he had in that first half. And Winks himself, he attempted 44 and completed 
40 of the most passes for Tottenham Hotspur against Real Madrid with 91% accuracy. Certainly, certainly what a player he's going to be for us in the future. Jace, going to come back round to you. So, another player who had such a fabulous game. There's so many, I feel like we're going to reel off the whole team here. But Hugo Lloris, Jace, he's had his critics this season, hasn't he? Because there's been times where he's been questionable. But Jace, two massive saves last night. I mean, the, the first one, he's got absolutely no right to save that. How did he save it? <laughs> I think only he knows. I mean, we saw an extraordinary one, didn't we, in in Leverkusen last year and, and another one where he tipped it over down in Monaco last year. But, um, you know, I, I still, I think everyone, everyone thought that Benzema would score, didn't they? Um, I don't know, I don't know how much he knew about it, but, you know, we always criticise him for his use of his feet, but I mean, that wasn't a bad use of his foot last night, was it? So <laughs> it was, was, was an astounding save. The second save as well, you know, lashed hard by Ronaldo. Once again, a, an excellent save. And, um, you know, you need your big players to stand up on those nights. And, and once or twice in, in big games, Hugo, has, let's be fair, has let us down in one or two big games. But that was that was the level that you want from a from a top class goalkeeper and, and the one and, the, and you know, a performance that you need when you're playing Madrid. That's for sure. Yeah. Jace, am I going OTT to say we won't ever have a better shot stopper than him? I mean, listen, distribution, that's questionable. But, you know. Point back blank saves, Jace. There's been so many of his first career. I mean, we're saying last night it's potentially been his great save. But Jace, I mean, we're thinking back to other performances in Europe and in the league. There's been a few more like that as well down the years. Well, his, I mean, his strength, his, his number one strength for me is his agility. And um, I mean, the, the save against Bournemouth, you know, you could actually say, I actually think the save against Bournemouth Saturday was even better because, you know, that's one, as I say, he may have, he may have just had a little bit of luck with with last night in that, you know, it kind of hit him rather than anything else. Whereas that save against Bournemouth to, to get down for a for a guy who's as tall as Hugo is, I think lots of people when they see Hugo on TV don't realise just how big he is. And uh, to have got down as he did by his feet Saturday was was typical Larice save and the agility that he shows. And and I think he showed that with that Leverkusen save last year. That to me is. He's his number one asset, and um, we're lucky to have him. That's for sure, because th there's a lot of clubs in the world would like Hugo Lloris as their goalkeeper. There's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, Jamie, coming around to you, I think this is going to be a, a yes to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Best Spurs keeper in your lifetime? Uh, yes. Um, I'd, um, probably the next best one would be. Uh, Paul Robinson. Yeah, there's not much um, to compare him to. I do apologise for that, Jamie. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, but look, I mean, what a keeper to have. So I think he's a very, you know, he's one of the best in the world. So look, I mean, even if you could compare him to a couple of other good goalkeepers, um, you know, he's still such a fantastic goalkeeper to have. And look, I, yeah, I think we're just very lucky to have him, even though he can be prone to the odd error. I think, I mean, we're just so fortunate to have such a fantastic player like that. And Last night, you know, we needed one of our big players to, to step up to the plate. And, you know, Hugo Lloris did exactly that. You know, made some incredible saves and, yeah, was was probably man of the match. Yeah. Coming over to you, Andrew. What are you thinking of Hugo Lloris? Because he's had his critics over here in England. I'm sure, obviously, from Spain, you see it as well a lot, being a Spurs fan that you are. What have you made of his season so far on that save? Well, saves last night. Um... Yeah, I think the problem with Hugo is that when he does make a mistake, it tends to be significant. 
which I suppose goes to a lot of goalkeepers. Obviously, we see um, Casillas as well suffer that as well, that he can make 20 good saves, but if you make one clanger, everybody focuses on that one mistake. And, and I think Hugo is easily the best goalkeeper I've seen uh, playing for Spurs. Maybe had a, a closer connection to Robinson, but I think that was just because Spurs were so ordinary at that time that yep. Paul Robinson was just sort of... It was it was a natural thing. I don't think he, he was a fantastic goalkeeper. I thought he was a good goalkeeper, but he sort of epitomised Spurs. And I think he loved playing for Tottenham, which is what fans love to see as well. Um, but, yeah, he came out of the game last night, I think, with the praise he deserves, that save against Benzema. You can maybe say it's just reactions, but reactions are important in a goalkeeper and a lot of goalkeepers wouldn't have been able to sort of adjust the leg to sort of flick out and deny it. Is is a game is a game changer and is a match winner, but have that sort of question mark. And I think we the focus, especially on sort of social media, is oh, his distribution's bad. I think his distribution in general is okay. It's just the problem when he's under pressure. Yeah, he can when he makes a mistake, he makes a proper mistake. If you get what I mean, I think that's why he is maybe just below the sort of level of De Gea and Neuer, which most people are not black. Because they make less errors. I think that's the only thing that brings uh, Loris down. But if you would ask me who realistic would you swap him for, nobody, I think, uh, on his level, is um, one of the best goalkeepers in Europe. It's, it's unquestionable. There's, the only ones that are better than him are, are unattainable for Spurs. So, yeah, I wouldn't change Hugo for anybody. Yeah, and errors made, and all. You made, <laughs> you made a great point, though, Andrew, before, when you said about Pochettino, the way he's raised the bar. And I think the same with Loris, because naturally, the level he plays to, we are now so critical of the mistakes that he does do because they're so minimal, but at the times they become highlighted, especially with social media. But there's no doubt, I think, across the panel here, we all agree what a magnificent keeper he is. Want to sit you for a second, Andrew? Jan Vertonghen. Now, bear in mind, he doesn't like playing left-back. Doesn't He's not bad at it, is he? I mean, he pocketed Ronaldo last night as best as he could. What did you make of his performance? Again, when you talk about sort of the best performances of individual performances in that team. Obviously, the collective were, were incredible. But I thought Jan Bertongen on that left-hand side was almost a natural. I know he plays there for Belgium a lot, and mm. I think it's almost like a meme that he hates playing at left-back. I think he just prefers playing at centre-back. But he was incredible, obviously, against a young Atra. He had his number all the way throughout, whether he turned inside, went left or right, even when Isco or, or, or anybody literally went out to that sort of uh, left-hand side. He had them controlled, and I think that's his experience. You know, is not someone who's rash. That and we've seen before when he used to play at left back. He's actually got a decent turn of uh, speed on him when he wants to go forward. Obviously, the the um, sort of call from Poch yesterday was to sort of just focus on the defensive side. And I think he did that excellently. And Batonga's another one that because Toby's at a level that is. Very few defenders, I think, nowadays are at that level. We forget how good Vertonghen's been. And I even said, uh, I thought last season he was better than Alderweireld, personally. And I think even this year, so far, mm. when if Toby's by himself, he drops uh, a little bit. Whereas Vertonghen has just sort of maintained a level that, from like it, almost like his first season at Spurs, where he, he was sort of special. And I think his experience and his knowledge and probably working with Potter as well and in an established defence which knows its jobs, knows its responsibilities, it makes everyone look better. And I think Batongan is, is one of those sort of players that gets lost in the shuffle but is so important to Spurs. 
Yeah, completely agree. Jace, I want to bring it round to you. We've been complimentary of Vertonghen all season on this podcast. We've spoke about how he's grown throughout the years at Tottenham, how this season especially, I think there's an argument to say he has been better than Alderweireld. But I tell you, even Alderweireld last night, you've got to say if a contract isn't coming soon after that performance, it never will. Jace, very quickly, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, we're going to come to Sanchez shortly, but those two, how formidable were they last night? Uh, they're, they're a genuine pair, aren't they? That's that's the thing, you know. They know each other's game so well. They're, they're so calm amongst each other. And, and and I just enjoyed Jan with that little bit of game craft when he went down early on under Ronaldo and yeah. completely got under Ronaldo's skin. And and that's like I say, it's sometimes you have to do the dark arts in those games. And and Jan Jan can do that. God, we I remember him diving. Do you remember that about three <laughs> years ago against Dnipro yes, in a yeah. Europa League game when we were we were really struggling? And he went down, got the Dnipro lad sent off, and <laughs> whilst it's not ideal, and you, and you you don't really want to see it at European level in those big games, every other club does it to us, and so you either you either have to match it or or you know or you get done yourselves. And um, I was pleased to see him even do that last night. Yeah, it was fabulous, Jamie. Very quickly, also coming over to you. This for Tongue and Alderweire, the both of them together and individually cracking Tottenham players. We have to love them both, don't we? Equally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, they perhaps lift each other's levels playing together, but individually they're both absolutely fantastic. I mean, we saw uh, times last season with Tongan uh, was on his own without um, without Alderweire. And he was just as fantastic. But um, yeah, I think they're two players that complement each other really nicely, know each other so well. Uh, obviously, I think they grew up together, went in the same academy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're just such a fantastic partnership. And it's just, I think we're so fortunate to have such a brilliant partnership. Yeah. Yeah. And add to that, Jamie, Davidson Sanchez, for me, worth mm. every single penny of mm. this record signing for Tottenham. An absolute beast. And also just 21 years old. I mean, how good is this lad going to be, Jamie? Mm. Because I tell you what. The start he's made to his Tottenham career, he has also set the bar mm-hmm. so high that, you know, now you're thinking, you know, can he get any higher? The guy's just been formidable as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, I mean, for me, he's probably, I mean, it, well, on the night he was probably our best performer, I'd say. I mean, it's really? obviously close to him and Lloris. Yeah. Um, I thought he was fantastic yesterday. Yeah. Um, there's certain aspects of his game where he's perhaps a bit reckless at times and he, he's got, he looks like he's got the odd error in him, which is something that, you know, needs to iron out. And I think there's lots of things that he can be coached on. But um, no, I mean, there's so much potential there. Really just, you can just see such a fantastic player and slightly, you know, if you had to compare him to someone, no, I'm not saying he's as good as and he will become as good as, but, you know, he kind of strikes me as like a Lindy King sort of player. You know, he's quite quick. You know, he can make fantastic tackles. Um, but yeah, as a, you know, I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, really, really talented player in there. Yeah. And come back around to you, Andrew. Davinson Sanchez, from what you've seen from him these very early days, God, he's looking worth this transfer fee, isn't he? And I know that's crazy, bearing him on the amount. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's important never to focus too much on transfer fees. I know... Everybody loves them and everyone wants to talk about who's the most expensive and what's good value. But I think we've seen every year that the transfer fees just get higher and higher. And it's what he brings to the team. And I think in, in that value alone is being worth the outlay. And I think um, it's given a boost, I think, to Dyer, obviously, with Wanyama sort of taking over midfield with Dembele and obviously Winks pushing for a place. It's important that Dyer kicks on. I thought Dyer was one of the, another one that 
played really well last night. I've not been massively convinced him centre back. I think he's better in midfield. But I thought he had a really good game. And I think with someone like Davison Sanchez, it's important that he plays alongside people like Alderweireld and Mbatonga. They make it so easy, I think, to slot in there. I think when you're playing alongside established professionals and, and experience who can sort of not figuratively hold his hand as they go in there, to go to the Bernabeu and, and play there and play so well, I think shows just the tactical nous of, of Spurs but also the confidence that Pochettino has in him. And I think for these young players to be given that boost of confidence makes a big difference and, and it makes them raise the level and makes them believe in themselves that they're, they're good enough to play for someone like Spurs. There's obviously chinks in his armour and there's things he needs to improve, but then again, what 21-year-old or, or in his early 20s doesn't have things they need to improve on, even people like Deli Ali and, and Harry Kane. They're, they're not the finished article yet. They're still very good, but there's still room to grow. So I think I wouldn't maybe go as far. I'm always very, very cautious of, of labelling anyone the next Deli King just because Ledley's so special. But in terms of his natural ability, the, the sky's the limit. I think as long as we keep everybody around him, it's important Elder World stays. Mm. Um, it's not easy because he's at that stage of his career where it's probably his last big contract uh, is going to try and squeeze as much out of Spurs and it's whether Levy believes it's worth it or as we, we've seen in, in other instances maybe thinks it's time to sell. Hope he does stay. Uh, I think it's imperative that he stays along with Batongan because those two literally make Spurs twice as solid in defence. And if Sanchez continues to play alongside them, I've, I've no doubt that he'll eventually reach their levels as well. OK. And just very quickly, Andrew, you mentioned there Vertonghen and the contract. From what, obviously, you see in Spain, would there be a calling for him? Would there be an available place from either Barcelona or Real Madrid if he is to go out there? Is that is that a club that, well, either of those clubs looking for that kind of defender? Um, I think if someone like Alderweireld's available then the best teams in the world would all be interested just because he's that good. It's not um, a perception that only exists in England. I'm 100% sure the, the biggest sides in, in all of Europe are keeping an eye on this contract situation. I also, maybe it's uh, my sort of cynicism, I feel that because it's so publicly being played out, I sense that's deliberate to sort of try and drum up interest to say, well, look, there's interest from this team that are offering me X amount of money. And maybe he's not expecting the same at Spurs, but he wants what he's worth. If he became available, I, w I would be amazed if uh, both Barcelona or Real Madrid didn't at least inquire. Obviously, okay. it depends as well what what level uh, of fee we're talking about. But Sergio Ramos is no spring chicken, nor is Gerard Piquet. Um, so, yeah, if you've got someone like Alderweireld who can... Who can slot in there for another three or four years at the, the highest level uh, there'd be no question that the biggest teams in Spain would be interested as well. Okay, fair enough, thank you very much for that we are going to try and squeeze in guys, a Liverpool preview as well, there's just so much to cover tonight, we cannot like I say, leave out some of these players from Madrid, we have to cover everyone Jace, very quickly on Davison Sanchez it's fair to say you received some um, well, some interesting feedback on Twitter from your um, well, from your tweet out there you said about Davison Sanchez yeah, and I, mean, I wasn't sure about him when he first joined yeah, I simply said, you know, he answered my doubts and I got loads of pelters about why I should have had doubts. And as we said, you know, he's a 21-year-old centre-back. So, of course, you're going to have doubts. 
I think we've seen him, what, play five Premier League games and two in Europe with our own eyes rather than relying on football manager type scouting information that most of us have. So, uh, of course, there was doubts there. But having doubts about a player doesn't mean to say that you've you've levelled criticisms at him. And it was only after the Huddersfield game, I think, when we had the question, who's who's been the biggest surprise to us this season, that I was full of praise for Davidson Sanchez. But obviously, when you're... You know, when you're only judging a player against Tammy Abrahams of Swansea and Josh King of Bournemouth, and I, I can't even remember who played for Huddersfield, and then you can judge a player against Real Madrid away, well, well, of course you're going to have a better impression after Real Madrid away. So, you know, he's he's been excellent since he come in. There's the there's the odd moment that you think, yep, there might be a rash mistake in there, but but he's a 21 year old centre back who's probably eight nine years away from being at the at the best level he's going to reach. So. You know, that, that's not a criticism of him and um, he his performance was exemplary last night. It was indeed. And Jason, sticking with you very quickly, Eric Dyer, a lot of people saying last night, and I have to go along with them, a very much unsung hero in that midfield. And, you know, those people out there in the summer, there were some of them that even asked, you know, the question, should we have let him go to Manchester United? But if you watched that game back last night, which is exactly what I said, the bloke was immense. And I don't know how people can doubt him at times. I just think he's absolutely pivotal to this Tottenham team. Well, it's just part of the team last night. And as a central defender, particularly playing in the middle one of those three, if you don't have a good game last night at Real Madrid, you get buried. And the fact that we weren't buried tells you everything. He has to have a good game because it's finished 1-1. And, and, you know, Madrid haven't had 15, 16 clear-cut chances and given us a battering and Hugo's had to make, you know, save after save after save. So, you know, that, that tells me everything about Eric Dyer's performance. Yeah, really does. Jamie, come around to you very quickly. Eric Dyer, a quick word on him. What did you make of his performance? Uh, yeah, I think he was. I think he was fantastic. I mean, I, I think he was playing in more of a maybe a midfield role, or whether he, you know, whether it was a back five or whether it was a four four two. You know, he just slotted in so fantastically well. And as 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 we've said, you know, if he if you're when you're playing in the middle, you know, you're not going to get away with it. And and yeah, he was part of what was an outstanding defence last night. And very much the unsung hero, which I very much agree with. Yeah. Andrew, coming over to you very quickly, also on Eric Dyer. What have you made of his start to the season? And generally in the summer, would you have been one of those that may have been slightly disappointed to have seen him leave the club? Uh, I think anyone that's uh, a vital player in the squad, it would be a shame to see him go. I think it, it, you have that fear that it would be a domino effect. That mm. it's first, obviously, Carl Walker, if we lost Dyer as well. Then it'd be Danny Rose, and and then you sort of think oh, it's all falling apart. And I think is is crucial. It's still learning. I think we're, we're desperate to to sort of hold every player to too high a standards at time. And I think that is a, another aspect of Pochettino's influence on on the squad. But no, Dio yesterday was really good. He slotted in the defence perfectly. I think it, for me, it was definitely more of a central defender than midfielder. But I, I can see that he switched between the two. He was really disciplined, as the other guys have said, that if you switch off or you make a mistake, or which he's done in the past, even in the back, even in the back five, and when he's played in a four, well, sorry, a flat back four, he does have this tendency to switch off. But at Real Madrid, you can't afford to do that. And I thought, he, alongside the the rest of the five in the back, you know, for a will go in that sort of category as well. He didn't put a single foot wrong, and I think that he deserves praise for that because as, as much as we like to pick out defects and, and mistakes, 
we need to also turn around and praise them when they've done well. And I thought Dyer sort of showed everyone that's why teams the calibre of Manchester United are looking at him because he's, he's versatile and he can play really well in not just one, but possibly three positions because we still remember that incredible uh, debut at right back where he scored a winning goal against a certain team called West Ham. <laughs> How can we forget that? Joe, bringing it back around to you. We've nearly went an hour here without talking about Harry Kane. Now, what I do want to say last night, the link-up play, Jace, between him and Lorente, you know, the unselfishness for the team, the willingness to do anything to sacrifice himself. What did you make of the performance of Kane and also the link-up play with Lorente? We've got to try and squeeze all this in, Jace. So give us a very quick review of what you made of those two. The pair of them were excellent. You know, Lorente, I think probably also came into the side because if it's just his experience and and being able to handle that that the coming out of the Bernabeu and, and knowing what the, the whole game was going to be about, knowing all the dark arts that Ramos would use. And he used every every bit of his thirty two years of experience and <laughs> he was exceptional, created the chance for Kane, created the chance for Ericsson, should have won a penalty. You know, exemplary performance from him considering how little football he's had. And Harry Kane, well, we've said it all before, haven't we? We all thought he'd scored the goal. And um, it's just, just a shame it goes down as an own goal. But um, and, the, and the little bit of skill in the, the corner flag when he, yep. he left the defender in his way. And, and probably the only the only black spot was was not taking that late chance. And I think everyone was off their sofa expecting the, the ball to be in the back of the net. And even when it went past Navas from the angle, the TV angle, you still thought it was going to go into the corner. So... Um, I'm sure there's there's one or two saying if he was world class he would have put it away, but you know forget that it's just exemplary performance from him again. Yeah, just very quickly, Podspur asked, what do you reckon with the Kane Lorente partnership? Could Poch employ it again? Very quickly, what do you think? I think we we possibly will see it again against teams that the quality teams that really press us and where it does give you the option to go long. We you know we didn't have to have the heart in the. You know, heart-stopping moments that Hugo sometimes gives us with with playing the ball in and around that back four. He could go long, so I think that's a way that that Pochettino will now think of, of about beating teams that press us really high. Yeah, Jamie, going to come round to you. I'm going to give you the option also for the Harry Kane Lorente chat, but I also just want to throw in very quickly Muta Sissoko because I think we're going to get lambasted if we don't mention him, and that is just somehow. What tells you the turnaround of this guy's career? I mean, there was an exquisite bit of skill from Sissoko, um, which it's a shame he didn't amount to a goal where he somehow looped over his head, made a fantastic run, didn't amount to anything. But just very quickly, Jamie, the turnaround in his career, how much credit does he deserve, as well as Pochettino? Because whatever has happened before now, we are mm. starting to see regular performances from Sissoko that, you know, none of us, we didn't see this second win coming, Jamie. Should we have? Well, yeah, I think now, I mean, you look back at it, obviously Newcastle fans uh, laughing at us for paying £30 million. I think we, we've we got the bargain now, getting him for £30 million. But um, no, he's a brilliant turnaround. And obviously, I think I've said before, I think it's just confidence and obviously uh, game time. And yeah, I mean, obviously Pochettino believed in him uh, at the start of the season, kind of mentioned that it'd be in his plans. And I think obviously... He's had game time and, yeah, he's, he's been brilliant this season. I think also a big factor in that has been perhaps Aurea joining because I think they've had like a really great a relationship. Bit of a bromance. Yeah, going exactly. On. Yep. So I think that's that's definitely helped him. So I think, yeah, I mean, just Pochettino's faith and, and various other factors have kind of contributed to him 
having you know turning his career around, I suppose. Yeah, and Kane and Lorente, Jamie, how happy was you with that partnership last night? Yeah, very, yeah, very happy. I mean, Lorente, I think I've said this about every player now that um, they're one of the best players on the pitch. But um, no, Lorente, I think was was fantastic. I think uh, his experience that he provided was was crucial yesterday. Um, and yeah, it's very exciting to know that those two can play together. Yeah, indeed. Andrew, coming round to you. Question here very quickly on Sissoko. We've got a question from Simply Spurs Stats who says, do you think Sissoko's improved form is because of Pochettino's coaching or because we're approaching a World Cup? Looks a good partner for Aurea. What do you think, Andrew? Is there a <laughs> factor in that or are we just getting ourselves... We just don't want to believe the fact the guy, is, uh, he wants to play for Tottenham maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not quite sure the factor is the World Cup. And I also don't think we can put everything always on Pochettino, although he is key in that. Mm. I think primarily Sissoko. He came, he didn't have a pre-season. He was always two or three yards off the pace. And he played in a completely different position. I think moving more centrals, giving him a new lease of life. Obviously, that sort of French connection with Aurier's definitely helped. And they do cause damage down that side. It's it's just the classic sort of, I suppose, modern fan. I don't think it's a Spurs issue. I think it's just across the board that we make these immediate assumptions and criticisms of players and then assume that there's no room for improvement or that's it. We did it with Rose, did it with Davis, did it with Sissoko. A few did it with Kane. I think the idea is just to sort of let these players settle and trust what the coach does. And obviously, as much as Sissoko has to leave in the summer, which you can also understand, maybe on the basis of the World Cup, but Pop sees something there and trusts in him. And, and I think that sort of confidence is, is improving. Sissoko, sometimes you feel like in his head he knows what he's doing, but his body doesn't quite react as quickly as it should have. And he ends up sort of getting stumbling over the ball or, or doing silly things. But this year, we've seen that it's a valuable member of the squad. I don't think he would be in my ideal starting eleven with everyone's available. But it's not one of them plays that, like last year, you felt it was uh, just a, a bench warmer and it, it didn't really offer anything. I think now we can see that there's definite ability there. And, and there's a, when he's playing full of confidence, he's a dangerous man to play against because he, he didn't look out of place against one of the best midfielders in the world. Yeah, and that really does say a lot. And we have to remember also, we've said at the start of the show as well, coming back into this squad, the likes of Moussa Dembele, Deli Ali, Victor Wanyama, Ben Davis and Eric Lamella, hopefully at some point. Just quickly, another question from Podspur, Andrew. Is It's a dilemma how you fit everyone in when they are all fit. For you, does Deli go back in and for whom? Sissoko probably, but what of Dembele and Wanyama? I mean, fantastic dilemma to have. How do you see that playing out in the next couple of weeks? Or does it help because of the, the cup competitions and the games coming regular now for us? Probably a combination of all of them. I think Deli Alley, when he's available, is always in the first 11 because he's one of our best players. You can't get distracted by Lorena, who did have a, a fantastic game and did do, didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, he ran his heart out playing in a sort of alien position. I know it was supposed to be more of a front two, but he ended up sort of drifting back into midfield when needed. Deli Ali always starts for me, I think, even when he's not at his best, which I, I think Khalil will admit himself that he's not quite reached his levels yet. Maybe he's trying to add, maybe uh, the sort of praise has gone a little bit through his head, but all these things are forgivable, I think. In terms of having options to choose from, I think it's anything. The only th it can never be a bad thing. Spurs, the issue has always been that we haven't had a strong enough squad. 
the worry is always that we, we don't get one injury, we get three or four, mm. and then we're left yeah. with um, with the greatest respect people that are not at the level of the rest of their. I think Lamella was a big loss. I know it's a point of contention with a lot of people, but I still think as a squad member, similar to Sissoko, is, is someone you can bring on and he can change a game. It's maybe not always at that high level, but he brings something to the game. And, yeah, how anyone could see it as a negative to have uh, various options. And I think Pochettino, he studies every game and values it depending on the opposition. Uh, I don't think if Deli Ali and all of them were available, I'd imagine he would have played a different formation and possibly a different system. But he picks and chooses the team best suits the, the game plan he has against the opposition on, on any given week. And there'll be certain players which work better against certain teams and there'll be other times where you need to rotate and maybe go for something different, a bit like Son. I imagine a lot of people expected Son to play yesterday. Maybe we were angry that he wasn't in the eleven, but after you watch the sort of ninety minutes, yeah, <laughs> you can't have any complaints, and it was the right decision to play Lorenzo there, and the right decision to play Sissoko in there. It was, Jason. I think out. also, on, I think also on Deli Ali, on reflection, it was probably a really good game for him to miss because he'll have sat in that stand. We know the the personality Deli Ali has, and it would have hurt him watching mm. that game. Yeah. It would have really hurt him not to be part of that when those players came back in that dressing room buzzing as they were and you see the team picture and that it will have hurt that he's not part of that performance and so maybe the you know it's yet another learning thing for him that he'll think you know time to learn my lesson and the other thing is with the, with the team pulling off such a fantastic result without him and his own form at the moment you know Pochettino could just have a, a gentle word with him this morning and say there you go Delhi. so you didn't play and we've pulled off a result so you know, it's time for you to knuckle down and, and, and get that form back. And I, I think when we next see Ali, if it's this Sunday or or be it against West Ham or, or the following week when it's Man United or whatever, I think we'll see a much better Delhi Ali than we've seen this season because of last night. Yeah. Jace, want to stick with you then. Let's bring it to the Liverpool game. Before we do so, I just have to say very quickly, Tottenham Hotspur are only the third away team to earn a point at Real Madrid's last 24 home group Champions League games. That just tells you the scale of that result over at the Santiago Bernabeu. Just incredible. Jace, let's come to Liverpool then. After being full of pride for that performance, we go into this Liverpool game where they've smashed seven past Mario Ball. OK, not great opposition. But Jace, we don't seem to have many bogey teams, but Liverpool are most certainly one of them. Yep, I think it's what, 10, 11 games since we last 11, beat them? I think 11 now, um, yeah. Yep. AVB was the last time. I think Pochettino's <laughs> Had them seven times since since he's been with us and hasn't beaten them. And we've had a couple of bad days in amongst that as well against Liverpool. So it, it's time to... It's, it's one of the few teams he hasn't beaten. And um, we need to do that. You know, let's be fair. They're an awful side defensively. But they're, they're still a damn good side when they come forward. And last night will have shown that. So it should be a, a cracking game cracking game on Sunday. And, and both teams are going into it full of confidence. And we've got that Wembley win. It's time for us to, to win a really big one and, and put them, you know, put them to the sword and, and pick up the three points. Yeah, I agree. And Jace Marnay being out for them, that is a big miss. But the likes of Salah they've got, you know, they're attacking options. I mean, Coutinho, to say the least, so many attacking players. Jace, it's going to be tough yeah, at Wembley. I mean, we're always, I hate to say it at Wembley, we always seem to be subject to letting goals go in. Although defensively, Jace, we've been very good, has to be said. Yeah, the key. I think the key Sunday is not to allow us ourselves to get sucked in 
too far up the pitch that allows them to break because without a doubt Coutinho is clever enough and, and Salah is, is just express pace, albeit with a with a little bit of an inconsistent end product on the end of it. And you know, he can score a goal, but you're not you're also not surprised if he smashes it over the bar from from ten yards one on one. So um the key thing is not to let them break on us too much because that the big pitch will suit them doing that. But if we force them backwards and we know their vulnerability at set pieces and things, then uh, hopefully we can take advantage of that and, and pick up those points as I say. Yeah. Well, let's bring it around to you then, Jamie. So, in terms of selection choices, we've got questions in asking. This is from Gwen, who says, would you start Lorente against Liverpool? We've had questions about Danny Rose saying, are the fans going to forgive him? Well, on the basis of last night, there was some massive Danny Rose chance going up. So you would think mm. he may be given a second chance to um, revive his Spurs career. And he has actually thanked the fans, it has to be mm. said, for the support. Yeah. Would you be inclined... Jamie, to throw him in against Liverpool, or is that still too early for you to see him start again? Um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I read that he said uh, to Pochettino that he was ready to play, you know, a little cameo as he did against Madrid. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because it's, it's such a big game, so it's, obviously it's going to be difficult. Um, I, I personally would start him. Um, I think it's important that we play with the, the, the three at the back and the wing backs. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I think it was good that we welcomed him back. I mean, obviously, I, I was my favourite player before he made the comments. But look, we got to forgive him. And you know, as as we've said in football, you've, with like Aurea, you've got to just sometimes just got to move on. And I think yeah. with Rose, such a talented player, and I think look, we can forgive him um, as the fans did in Madrid. And um, yeah, I'd start him against Liverpool on Sunday. Okay, coming over to you, Andrew. Liverpool. I mean, to be fair, Klopp. People don't want to say it too much, but he is under some pressure there. You know, it's one win in their last five games, but coming off that huge win in Europe, they're eighth at the moment, four points difference between the two teams. What do you make of this game itself, Andrew? Because if we can win this, I mean, that will give us a nice little cushion over them. Do you buy, do you buy that Klopp's under pressure there? What do you think very quickly on that? Um, yeah, I think, I think Liverpool under Klopp, I know they've, they've done some things quite well. I think they've underperformed. I don't think they've um, got to the levels that we was all expecting them to. The, the Lord in Klopp is this sort of great messiah. And I think it's Pochettino that's sort of pulled away from him, showing that there is a difference in class there. I'm not saying Klopp's a bad manager by all means, but I think with the finances and resources available to him, I don't think they've made a well-balanced squad. But Liverpool are one of them teams that, especially recently, I think we've lost seven of the last ten against them and drawn the other three in all competitions. They seem to have this sort of hoodoo over us. I think, it, I don't know if it was a couple of years ago that we played them at Anfield and we were strolling. I think yeah. we were, I don't And then Kyle Walker mm. uh, made a disastrous back pass and that set them off on a, a comeback and we eventually lost. So, um I don't think we need to focus too much on their strengths and focus on our own. I think um, our attacking ability is as good as anybody else's in the league when it's on form, with maybe the exception of Manchester City, just because they're on a different level, I think, in the final third at the moment. But defensively, we should be strong enough to, to sort of keep him out. Danny Rose, it depends on his fitness. I think if there's any doubts over him, we, you keep bringing him on in little cameo appearances because... If Ben Davis is fully recovered, which obviously is still too early to say, I would imagine is more likely to start than, than Rose. 
And uh, I wouldn't necessarily pick the same team that played against Real Madrid. Because again, Pochettino seems to judge it based on the opponents, not necessarily who's available or not. And I think Deli Ali definitely comes back in. You can't not leave him. Is is somewhere that Poch trusts, even when he's not playing at his best, is a game changer. And and in these type of games, we need people to stand up and need to, them to make a difference. And obviously, it's the team that. If you believe what was uh, said, the, the team he supports and the team he was close to joining. And I would imagine, uh, like one of the guys said, that after that Real Madrid result, he'll be desperate to sort of stamp his authority and say, well, look, I'm the guy who starts with Harry Kane. I'm the the sort of the, the secondary superstar to to sort of King Kane. <laughs> and he'll be desperate to, to lay a marker and, and prove that, we shouldn't sort of dismiss him just because Lorenzo's had a good game against Real Madrid. Yeah, indeed. Andrew, time is against us. Can I push you for a prediction? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I always try to... Um, uh, you try to stay away, don't you, from them? No, no, not necessarily stay away from them, but just because I'm one of them happy clappers, I suppose, the Twitter <laughs> Twitterati would say. At home, I always expect Spurs to win. Um, yeah. I know Wembley is a sort of a bogey sort of ground for us, but I still think we've not been bad, really, at Wembley no, this year. No, it's five unbeaten now, Andrew. Should we start getting carried yeah, away? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to win the league. Um, <laughs> no, I would expect us to win. I just think okay. Liverpool, as much as they turn up, in the big games, and that's the one thing under Klopp you can't criticise them for, is that they yeah. do perform in the, the top six, sort of, against the top six teams. I would hope, uh, maybe not expect, but hope uh, a narrow victory. OK. We'll put you down for 4-1 then, Andrew, yeah? Yeah. 10-0. <laughs> Cheers, Andrew. Uh, coming round to you, Jace. Come on, let's have a prediction then. Scoreline, I honestly don't know a scoreline, but I think we will win the game. I, I actually feel confident. I think Liverpool... Liverpool won't park the bus as um, as most sides no, do, and as Man United no. will almost certainly do to us. So, but my probably my safest prediction from the game will be there'll be at least five sprints down the touchline from Klopp, and <laughs> and, and you know thirty five close up camera shots at him at, at every every ninety second interval what he can possibly get in the game. So um, I'm sure Klopp will dominate the sidelines and the media coverage. Yeah. Well, Jace, at the end of all that, are we going to get a prediction then? Uh, if you, you're, not, you're not talking your way out. Of I, it, I'm, I'm just going to say it, it, it's. I'm going for a Tottenham win, but okay. But scoreline wise, honestly, don't know. Okay. I think we'll just nick it. Okay, fair enough. Jamie, can we push you for a score? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's obviously a flash, fascinating clash. So uh, obviously Liverpool struggling the league a bit. They're seventh or eighth. Um, obviously us playing at Wembley. Uh, I think off the back of the Madrid game, I'm quite confident. So I'm going to say two-one Tottenham. 2-1 Tottenham, OK. I'm also going to go with a Spurs win. I think it's going to be 3-2. I can see there being lots of goals in this one. I really can. Andrew, first off, I can't thank you enough for joining us tonight. It's been such a pleasure making your debut and I hope you're not going to be a stranger and you'll come back on some point in the future. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. I'm uh, always grateful for the opportunity to come on and yeah, don't be shy to ask again. OK, fantastic. Lovely having you. And Jamie, thank you again also for coming on such short notice. Really do appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. It's always great being on such a great podcast. So, yeah, oh, fantastic. You're very top man. Thank you very much. And, Jace, we're going to be back Monday night then, aren't we? It's, uh, I see what, Jace, we feel like we're playing out the players at the moment. It's just regular now, isn't it? Back to uh, <laughs> midweek for us again, isn't it? Now the old midweek f- uh, fixtures for us. Yep, yeah, but, you know, 
two games a week, but that's that's what you want, isn't it? And and really big games, you know, Liverpool win West Ham and then then Man United. So it's just a brilliant ah. run of fixtures and, and let's just enjoy them. That's the thing. Enjoy it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well guys, I say we are gonna be back recording Monday night, hopefully discussing another win at Wembley. Wouldn't that be nice? And as always, guys, as we roll into the weekend, come on you Spurs. <laughs> Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.